1: Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your year in review season superlatives and anywhere else we might go along the way. Joining me for this discussion, Patrick McDonald is here. Patrick, hello.
2: Hello. Weird. Uh, no golf today on a Thursday. PGA Tour at least. But uh, at least I get to talk to you guys.
1: You didn't sound super excited about that.
2: At least I get to talk to you guys. You. That
3: much better. Mark Immelman is here. Hello, Mark. Hello, Rick. To be honest with you, Patrick, I'm not missing Thursday golf whatsoever right now. I'm just happy that this is behind us for just a little bit. KP, Kyle Porter is here.
1: Uh, these guys, I guess, did not wake up early to watch the DP World Tour. They did not get their, you know, get their views in.
4: I was going to say, we've got Yannick, Paul, Ludwig. We've got all kinds of European Ryder Cup implications across the pond. Uh, okay,
1: I'll tell you what. Since we are sometimes critical of the broadcasts here on the PGA Tour, they do something on the DP World Tour that drives me crazy. <laughs> they refer exclusively to the Hoyguards as the Twins.
4: Like they're like they're the only twins in the world.
1: Uh, there's not there's two twins like on the top of the leaderboard. Yannick Paul's like one shot off the lead. How can you say the twins when the one of the twins is in the best position out of all these guys?
4: Wait, the wait, what? What do you mean? Yannick and Jeremy are twins. Oh, Yannick has a twin.
1: Yanni's oh a my gosh! Yes. Oh,
4: I'm. I'm,
2: I'm
4: I didn't this.
1: Yannick Paul and
4: Chris Paul
1: (laughs) are twins. They both play on the DP World Tour.
4: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I didn't know that. That's that's fascinating. Is Yannick Paul going to be on the European Ryder Cup? That like this is about to happen because he can play his way in this. Like he he can
1: he can get an automatic spot this week. He can, as they say in Europe, pip
4: Bob McIntyre this weekend.
1: I like that. What does that mean? That's just like
4: you just like. You just get them. Yeah. And and you know, just, you know, just clip them. Just, yeah. Just clip. Which I don't like, not to go full Ryder Cup off the top here, but Europe doesn't they, they don't want Yannick Paul on the team, do they? It's probably I less mean, than ideal. He's been better than JT, but. <laughs>
3: uh, funny. <laughs> that was funny.
1: If the option is Robert McIntyre or Yannick Paul, you're saying they want Robert McIntyre. I, I think
3: so. I don't know. I I don't know so much about that. I really don't.
1: Yannick played on the, if you played on the outlaw tour, you will be a menace at the Ryder Cup. (laughs)
4: Ludwig Ebert played in the big 12 championships this year. And he's going to maybe probably be on the team, which is, which is crazy. So anyway, all that to say European tour golf this morning, I actually went to see um, the live action um, little mermaid today with my daughters.
1: This is a movie.
4: <clears throat> yes, action. little, yeah, little, yes, like the. um <laughs> What does that mean? Well, it's it's the non-animated version of it. Oh,
1: okay. So they, oh, there's okay. there's there's uh human. Is it is it like a shot yeah.
4: for shot, frame by frame remake, but with humans? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's cl- it's close. I don't know. I haven't watched the animated one in several years, but. Uh, it was fun. It, my four year old was terrified because it was a little bit scary, but um we had a blast, middle of the day. This is what they did with the Lion King as well, right? Lion King. They did it with Aladdin, which was very good. And Lion King was cool too, but um yeah, really good. Great music, great soundtrack. Who
2: uh who 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 played Ursula? Is that the big lady?
4: Yes, Seriously? um Melissa McCarthy. She was excellent.
2: That that adds up, yeah.
4: Yeah, she was very, very good. Why does that add up, Patrick?
2: Because, th- I mean, that's just a great role for her, mm, I think.
1: Yeah, nice. Well done. Golf. was
4: yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. I wanted you to keep leading Patrick.
1: Down. <laughs> yeah, I, I was walking him down the plank there. Uh, I let him off the hook. Let's start gents by let's ease into this with a little bit of major championship recap. Then we'll get to our superlatives and obviously wherever we go along the way, uh, I'm happy to indulge. So let's go in order and Mark, we'll start down in your neck of the woods with the masters. John Rahm gets the job done on a rainy weekend around Augusta national. Brooks Kepka was in the mix throughout the entirety of this event. But when all was said and done, John Rom doubled his major championship count from one to two.
3: Two things, you know, right off the top of my head, I remember was how rainy and how cold it was. Uh, it was raw out there. And then secondly, I remember two sort of the public sentiment because we were in the throes of this whole live PGA tour battle. And, and it almost felt like if Brooks won this thing, it was going to be the end of the PGA Tour. And our folks, uh, all in the sundry, all the PGA Tour folks came out in solidarity behind Rahm. And, and look, he played a sensational <coughs> final day to overtake Brooks. He honestly did. Brooks gave it up a little bit, um, I, I feel like. But but Rahm, honestly, I remember watching some of that final round when I was done with my, on the, uh, with my uh, MN Corner commitments. And I was sitting there in the green room watching it going, golly, this guy, he has no weakness. I just remember he was relentless. And he was hitting shot after shot after shot. And he never really gave Brooks any chance to breathe. And it almost seemed like it was inevitable after it seemed like it was inevitable that Brooks was going to win on Saturday night. So it was some sort of performance. The weather was crazy bad. Um, But as always, the Masters just just churns out storylines that are Unreal. I mean, you think of Rom about Mickelson, you know, doing what he did there too, the final round. So it was a special event, as always, and and one I was thankful to be able to be a part of the broadcast crew.
1: Kepka seventy five on Sunday. Mickelson sixty five on Sunday. They both end at eight under a t two, four shots off John Rom's pace and Patrick. Yeah, I mean, it was it was nasty. The storm rolled through. They played a bunch of holes. They played twenty seven or more on Sunday. Remember, they packed it all in and thirty. It was, Yeah, 30 – it was just – it was a lot of off. a lot of waiting around. It was – how quickly – how many holes can we get this thing in on Sunday and make sure we still get it done?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. This was, what, five months ago now? It it seems like almost a lifetime with John Rahm making double bogey with the four putt on number one and then bouncing back, leading after the first day with the 65 – Justin Thomas missing the cut when he did the walk and talk in the rain and that let Tiger in through to the weekend and the Tiger withdrew uh because right. of the ankle and everything.
4: That, that feels like it was six years ago, honestly. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's like I had to remind myself this morning. I was like, Oh, we're doing the masters. Okay. Um <laughs> the, and then
4: the 2023
2: master. Really that Sunday, right? They they're on the seventh green. Uh Kepka had that ten footer for par. Rom had the putt for birdie, two-shot swing right out of the gate. That was the moment, wasn't it? Yeah, it it really felt like that. And then Rom just kept on going. Uh, Kepka had some really good par saves coming in to kind of salvage his round and keep the lead going into the final round. But uh, that 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 kind of defined that Sunday, which, like Mark said, the weekend was just ugly and uh, kind of defined by the weather.
3: (laughs) I gotta laugh, Rick, in the comments here, T Leon goes brooks played like 20 2023
1: jt on sunday yeah i mean the weekend wasn't great in general kp it was 73 75 now that was spread over different days and all that fun stuff but i think there was a stretch of like 30 something holes where he didn't make a birdie or or something do you remember that am i am i making that up
4: no that's right i don't i don't know if it was 30 but it was a really long time and yeah the masters was um it lacked a flow, mostly because of the weather. Um, there was some, you know, Rory JT missing the cut, and then Tiger was, it was it, the whole thing was just kind of, kind of odd. Um, Phil finishing second was insane. Oh, yeah, he 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 was he's been. I mean, I know this happened at at Kiowa. But he at least had some like showed some signs leading into Kiowa. I remember he shot, I think, 65 at Coel right before Kiowa and then finished almost last in, in on the weekend at the Wells Fargo. This was like nothing. And then he finishes T2 at the Masters. And you're like, man, this is it was wild. It was it was it was really crazy. And, uh, you know, I thought. This was kind of the first of the events where we were like, Scheffler probably could have won, you know, like or finished near the very top. He just putted so bad, and then we said that basically every week until today, you know. Um, so it, it, I'm glad that Rom got it because I think Rom is he he's always felt like hey, he's gonna win a Masters, and you don't want to be Sergio and you're 37, and people are like, hey, I think he's gonna win a Masters. It's just harder. It gets more difficult to do. So I was glad that he knocked it off early and and he's somebody that he plays well enough to be a two, three, four, five time major champion. So he's it was it's cool that that trajectory is actually playing out.
1: As Patrick mentioned, that was the last time we saw the big cat, the WD after making the cut. And then obviously he has not teed it up since that takes us to. Oak Hill, And if you like uh, wet and sloppy weekends, let me introduce you to Saturday at Oak Hill, where it poured all day long. And Mark, uh, we played through it. Didn't matter. We didn't have a stoppage. Uh, the umbrellas were sold out in the pro shop three minutes after gates opened on Saturday, which was fun. And this time Brooks Kepka did get across the finish line, adding his fifth major championship to the resume.
3: Yeah, and after looking downright average in round one, I mean, it looked like there was almost a bit of a a master's hangover there with Brooks. I know he had had the live victory, I think, down in Orlando, Florida, whatever, and there was a lot of hype about that going. Doesn't matter where it is. A win's a win. You know, I'm coming in here confident. And then he didn't look sharp at all in round one, um, but then sort of turned the whole thing around. But, But to Oak Hill, you know, very much like Augusta National, When you get to Augusta National, you sort of think of the fact that the course is going to be the star and grab some of the headlines. You know, coming to Oak Hill, Dottie, who's from the area, told us it's unreal what they've done there. And to get there the first time earlier in the week and talk to the players on the course, everybody and to a man, everybody raved about what Andrew Green and his crew had done to Oak Hill. It was just magnificent. The way it was prepared showed up so great on TV and it was a complete test, and uh, so so the course was great. Um, I, I just fell in love with the whole area we were staying over there, um, Pittsford, New York, in that area. And and the tournament was great. I mean, you talk about Brooks winning. That was look, Victor had been around. He played well. He played solid at the Masters. I think he had a top ten. But that's where, but for a blink of an eye and one horrid line of bunker, it could have been Victor's thing if you think about that for a minute there. So. So yeah, Oakill was pretty it was it was pretty cool. I enjoyed the week. Um I wasn't I was, I was around the leaders. I had Scheffler on Sunday, but you and I were talking earlier, Rick. Okay, O'Kill, Okill to me was very much also defined by Michael Block, which was cool, but you know, in the end, I think it detracted from what was a really really good win by Brooks Kepka. Was was it cool? <laughs> in the moment it was it was amazing. Yes. It was something. It was uh, it was memorable, for sure. Uh, sure. I'll say this, KP, to your question. Sunday, I was dispatched to the Block McElroy group because my boss figured Rory was going to make a run. We all kind of did. And I remember the introductions on the first tee. When he was walking from the clubhouse down through the gauntlet toward the tee, it was folks were actually serenading him, chanting his name. And then we get down one, and Rory hits a drive down the fairway and uh, stiffs a wedge, and I'm like, here we go. And the folks kind of went up for Rory. But getting to the green, every green we walked to until I left that group to go to Scheffler, folks were cheering for Michael Block. So so your, your common golf fan, they were all up for Blocky. I tell you what, in as much as what I think it got a bit tiresome for a lot of folks.
1: Well, and Kyle, if you remember... In the moment, it was a big deal. It, yeah, it, it expired like Tuesday afternoon afterwards, or whatever. Very, very quickly. But in the moment, it was a massive deal.
4: For sure, we were, we were, you and I were standing there hollering about how it was a big deal, right? We interviewed I, him after he made the cut. Remember I mean, that? Well, and, it, and nothing had really. He hadn't become Michael Block yet, right? He he, he had made the cut, and it was like. Oh, it's kind of a cool story, and then it was like, "Whoa! Like, what? What's you know what's going on here?" I, I thought the man the Brooks thing was it was really special. You know, I think that he's gotten a lot of probably deserved flack for the live stuff, and I think he, you've called him an un, pretty unreliable narrator of his own story, Rick. Um You know, even when he was at Augusta, it was like, "Well, I was." heard but then i was there's just there's always like something going on and you're like i just just give me like a like lay it out for me you know but all that aside just to watch somebody win their fifth major it it just we don't that that doesn't happen very often that we get a chance at that kind of history obviously four majors are one every year but usually it's by first time winners or second time or third maybe third but Five is, is very different. And uh, I, I, as a golf writer, as someone who covers it, as someone who's a fan of it, do I love Brooks Kepka? Not really. Do I love how historically great he's been? Absolutely. Because it's, it's really interesting and fun to talk about. And I think it gave us a lot to talk about at that event.
1: It was kind of in runaway fashion too, Patrick. So Hovland and Scheffler, they were two shots back. They were tied for second, but nobody else was within six shots of Kepka. So those guys did separate themselves. It was a pretty impressive 72 holes.
2: I really look back to the first 18 too, where like Mark said, he looked absolutely lost with his irons. I think he ranked near the bottom of the field on approach and to scratch and claw 72 and keep yourself into the tournament was really Vintage Kepka And then the last 54, he just put his foot on the gas. And that final round with Hovland, he opened, was it like three or four straight birdies? Something like that. He really got out in front. Uh, he had a T-ball plug on a par three, dropped a shot. And, and Victor really didn't blink for that front nine in the middle portion of the back nine, too. I remember the par five, that kind of arena around that hole when Hovland made a, a, a 10-footer for birdie to get within one and Kepka had a ten foot trickler, really slippery putt to maintain his lead and, and just dripped it right into the heart of the cup. And after that, obviously on sixteen, Victor in the bunker, hitting it into the lip. Kepka stepping on his throat with the pitching wedge from the rough to tap in distance and slamming the door shut. It was Vintage Brooks Kepkin what I thought was the best major championship of the year. You have two two of Rochester's adopted sons, sure. Rory McIlroy, Michael Block, playing in the final group together. The hole in one, Michael Block st- stealing America's heart. I think the PGA uh, emailed out. It was like Kepka wins the Wanamaker, Block wins over America. <laughs> that, that was the subject line the next day in their email. Which I mean. You guys think the Michael Block saga is over? I think it's still going. The Block party is still it's, pumping. It's just, it's
4: <laughs> just getting started. <laughs> he just he's tied, everywhere. He
1: just,
3: he just tied the course record at Valhalla. Imagine, Valhalla
2: DJ Khaled. I mean, this thing is just he's getting get- going. <clears throat> do
3: you, Do you know what I find amusing? This was highlighted to me by a colleague the other day. He broke the course record, and someone zoomed in on the scorecard, and where you sign your name, he signs Blocky. I mean, that is, that, that's, that's a big move there. All you need. There's only one, there's only one blocky.
4: For sure. I, th- Rick, this is, I'll throw it back to you, but this is the first moment of Hovland's career where I was kind of like, okay, this, this is different. You know, the, he, he played very well at the masters, obviously. And he's, he played great at the open last year, but those you could kind of convince yourself, okay, he's he's just like a good ball striker and he kind of got in, in the mix. And But this one was like he kind of went toe-to-toe with a five-time major winner on a Sunday and hit like one bad shot, you know, and, and that's, a, that's a different deal. And I was glad that his season played out the way that it did. He didn't win a major, but <clears throat> I think there was some validation with Memorial BMW Tour Championship of what – we sort of saw come to fruition at Oak Hill with him.
1: Yeah, it's, I don't know if it's statistically true, but it felt like kind of the first big major championship Sunday where he went forward, right? I mean, the open champ, him and Rory were just stuck in neutral for the vast majority of that final round. And this is the one where, right, he went toe-to-toe, he hit the shots he needed to hit, he made the putts he needed to make, drives it into the bunker face on 16, and that's all she wrote. But obviously a sign of many good things coming.
3: I know it was talked about almost ad nauseum last weekend, but you have to commend him for having the wherewithal to go and identify his weaknesses, which was his ability around the greens because of the poor angle of attack uh, as it pertained to bunker shots and pitch shots and chip shots even. And to go and work on that and and, and secure the services of Joe Mayo, who is a hell of an instructor, but sometimes a little controversial, but for Victor to pick him out and go, all right, you're my guy. We're going to figure this out. That's when it all started to show. When he was in contention and there were one or two shots where he made saves. And, and in situations like that, to hang in there, to keep yourself in the game, that's where the short game skills are highlighted. And, and he started to show it off. And, and Kyle, to your point, it just built throughout the year. And heck, the last few weeks, man, it didn't look to me like he was afraid of anything around the greens. And so as a ro- result... He could play a lot of offense, and my golly, he was virtuoso over the last two weeks of the season. I'm I'm going to try to pitch
1: a Joe Mayo sitcom. He is he needs one. He is a character. I would follow him around with a camera and watch whatever he says and does. Track Twenty-four maestro, yeah. That's,
3: to call yourself Trackman maestro when you come out on social media—that's hell yeah. It's a blocky move, you know. <laughs> I just I just sit there and listen and just take it all in. Did you know that
1: more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution We head to the West coast for U S open Patrick and everybody was ready for death and destruction. And LACC <laughs> is going to eat you alive. And then Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley shot a pair of 62s and everyone lost <laughs> their collective minds.
2: Color me shocked. The pampered Hollywood elites lay out, you know, an easy golf course for <laughs> those guys Just another example why the U.S. Open should be held on a classical East Coast venue. You come from Oak Hill. I mean, there's Wingfoot, there's Oakmont, Shinnecock, the list goes on. And we were stuck with (laughs) L-A-C-C-P-U. Hey, Um, listen, hey, don't, don't.
4: Don't forget the 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 role that the corrupt golf media had played in this either. C-
2: correct. Yes. They shut down the crowds, too. They didn't let anyone get close to the action, which completely detracted from the atmosphere uh, watching that, it.
1: That's that spectator suppression is what that is.
2: Yes. Yeah. And, and <clears> so- might as well, I
4: mean, that's that's Hollywood for you. They, it's like a green screen. They might as well just played it in a in a like on a set.
2: It was a great script, you know how the NFL whole season is scripted. It, this kind of this tournament almost felt like that outside of uh, a couple moments there on Sunday. But well,
3: add add fuel to your fire, Patrick. Look, I want to I want you to share that strokes gain metric that you shared with me, and I'm going to preface it by going, this was a U.S. Open that was supposed to be the place was going to whip these guys roundly from T one to the 18th, uh, the putt on the 18th hole.
1: Yeah, so the, the two best rounds of twenty twenty-three uh were the those two 62s, nine point three eight strokes gained per round. Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley put up in the opening round of the US Open.
2: Like 20 minutes apart, too, yeah. which was yeah. kind of funny. But for for me, the first three days were all about Ricky Fowler sleeping on the lead and him. You know, like, holy crap, is this really going to be his first win since 2019, this U.S. Open? I know Xander was in the mix too, but he started the weekend off really badly in that fairway bunker on number one. Um, and obviously we had Scotty, his finish on Saturday to hole out for Eagle, and then Birdie, like two more holes coming in. Wyndham Clark's club twirl that gave me vertigo oh. on Saturday to put oh. himself into the final group. Uh, And then obviously Rory McIlroy and uh, the wedge shot uh, uh, laid into the par five and coupled by Wyndham Clark's three wood into that hole. And that, that was really the moment of the tournament, that hole. And I know I gave LACC crap, but when it came down to it, the characters who were in the mix, you had Dustin Johnson playing well, Ricky Fowler, obviously Rory, and then Wyndham Clark, who had just won the Wells Fargo championship. It it was a great tournament and a great major too, but I'd put it number number two on my power rankings for the year,
4: well, behind behind PGA.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, KP, as you and I, as part of the corrupt golf media, we were there, <laughs>
2: and
0: it
1: it so it, this one was a weird one for me because I had zero service there, right? Mm-hmm. Like zero service at LACC, and. What when I would get back to the media center and read, oh, it's it seems it seems lame on TV and all this other stuff. It was kind of weird because, yeah, I mean, it was not as raucous as as other major championships. But I loved the golf course. I love, as Patrick said, the characters that were involved. It was it felt a little different being there.
4: Well, this is I mean, you're saying this because you are part of the club golf media. You you only <laughs> care about your own comfort and your own. You, you know. Them. <laughs> sight lines and your own views and all that Yep, front got-
2: row seat rick <laughs> uh
4: no i uh, listen like i i love us opens i think us opens are amazing this one this one was it was different in that it didn't feel usually they just feel so arduous like the whole week is just like oh like just so frustrating and intense this one felt more kind of delightful uh, and not just because not just for you and I, cause there was nobody there, but um, for the, the players seem to just enjoy it more. And I don't know that that's necessarily a great thing. I um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's part of it. I, I thought the, I thought the experience on Thursday and Friday honestly was, was pretty, pretty weak. I thought it was pretty bad. Um, the weekend was a lot better. I thought Sunday was good. And it turned out, I mean, one thing that we do a lot is we act as if the first round is going to like just uh, set the pace for the entire event. We do this every week, whether it's a leader, whether it's a who, whatever. And it's like, yo, like they're going to change the course over like throughout the week. And it's going to be different on Saturday and Sunday than it was on Thursday. And that ended up happening. It got harder. I thought it was a I thought it was a good u s open I don't i I didn't feel like Brookline last year was like an atmosphere it was awesome and I never really felt that at this u s open but I mean the Wyndham Clark experience we'll we'll get back to that twirl uh, I think later on in the show but even on Sunday like the lag putty had on on eighteen was like yeah I would have I don't know what I, I might've, I might've whiffed that putt. I might've missed it. Uh, there was so much tension and pressure in that moment. Um, and h- him stepping up and, and winning that event was pretty cool.
1: Wyndham Clark gets it done, Mark and adds uh, a second win to his, uh, tally for the year. So he goes quail hollow LACC. And now we have to look at Wyndham Clark through a much different lens.
3: Yes, no, no doubts. And then, He kind of fell off the radar a little bit, you know, for a stretch there post that, you know, through the summertime, but that's to be expected. I remember I had, and I'm probably getting ahead of the runner show a little bit here, but a conversation with Nick Taylor, um, a few weeks after the, uh, after his win in Canada, which was like a a life-changing event. And I said to him, so It's you're in contention. Yeah. Or he had missed the cut at the John Deere classic. I'm like, are you stressed about that? And he goes, you kidding. I just won the Canadian open just a few weeks ago. And so it was one of those things for Wyndham where I think he's won quail hollow, which was um, changing for him because he was the guy that we always knew he was talented, but he was, he couldn't really harness all the power he had. We knew he had a great short game. And so the chops were all there like dub can go. And then he wins quail hollow and he hangs on to when there around a difficult course, then caps that with a major championship win. All of a sudden, he's fulfilled his potential. And I can imagine him going, Well, we've got to build on that, but screw it, I've won twice, and one of them's a major kind of thing. But he came then, he comes then to the end of the season and and contends. Well, contends, you know, the the two front guys, Xander and Hovland, were way out in front of the rest, but but played well at the finale and at Eastlake. So it was a hell of a season for for uh, Windham, and I'm keen to see how he builds on this going forward.
1: Our final major championship was a runaway, thanks to Brian Harmon at Royal Liverpool. And Patrick, there he is, our champion golfer of the year by six shots over everybody. Brian Harmon gets his first major.
2: For a long part of this tournament, the leaderboard was just weird. <laughs> uh like you you kind of see it there with uh sharma Grio, sebstraka it was like all right when uh when are some of these guys gonna come out and play and I, I think i look back to Harmon's both of his weekend rounds and the shaky starts he got off to he was two over through five i believe both saturday and sunday and being able to ride the ship with on saturday he had you know Tommy lad, Tommy Fleetwood next to him on Sunday. He had a charging John Rom kind of breathing down his neck and to be able to kind of settle himself, use, use some of the fans as motivation as we found out and bring it home. was really impressive and in runaway fashion, like you said, so bit of a, a snoozer, I think, but if you're a major championship competitor, that's how you want to win your major championship. So uh, all the credit to Brian Harmon. It was a master class on kind of how to play with a lead. He kept all the trouble out of play, didn't bring it into play at all and did what he had to do. uh, Those final 36 holes to win. Yeah.
4: I thought it was, I thought it was the worst major, but the best performance at a major, Yeah, which is not unusual. Those two usually go together. Right. Um, Which is a bummer. Like I, the open is my favorite major. And it's t- I mean, it's great for Brian Harmon and it was impressive and I'm kind of in on him. I think he's going to be awesome at the Ryder Cup. All those things are true, but it's also a bummer because you don't really get the Sunday or even Saturday juice that you would normally get. So I'm glad for him, though. It's a, it's a really cool win and it, and it sort of is an exclamation point on probably an underrated career.
1: A five-shot lead at the halfway point mark, a five-shot lead after three rounds, and then he extends it, wins it by six. As Patrick mentioned, it was a strategic masterclass and uh, held everything together and didn't really, outside a couple bogeys early, um, looked looked pretty solid.
3: Yeah. Well, I couldn't comment on the tournament itself because the only bit I saw was some garbled streaming while i was on a train from uh, f- paris to florence on thursday sure um, oui, wee. Like, yeah oui, oui. so i didn't see any of the event beyond that i didn't read any news we were on vacation but i can tell you what i from before and after and before i had him for two days in scotland where you know the weather was kind of okay on saturday but putrid sunday and windy and gusty and just the way he hits it this tumbly sort of draw I remember looking at him and saying to my course spotter, Craig, I'm like, you know, if I was a gambling guy, and maybe if I was on the first cut pot on Tuesday, I'd be like, this is probably someone to pay attention to at the open, given what Hoylake represents. Cause it's the kind of course where, you know, the long guys may have to gear back and Harmon can just hit that driver in the fairway. And then he made some saves on top of that, that were just freaking mind numbing. I mean, I think he chipped and putt like five or five of six greens on Sunday in some really difficult conditions and that galvanized what I was thinking. And so that was it. And then he obviously wins. And, and, and then when he gets back into golf, maybe it was Memphis or maybe it was the BMW, but I spoke with him on the range. I think it was the BMW because Memphis, he didn't play that well. And so we were ch- chatting a little bit and I congratulated him. So I, I was like, Brian, I need to know one thing. Cause I know he works with Justin Parsons. I'm like, tell me the influence that Jack Lumpkin has had on your game. Now, for folks who don't know, if you had to have like a Mount Rushmore of golf instructors, Lumpkin could be on that alongside Harvey Penick and, you know, greats of, you know, greats of yesteryear. And he said to me, Mr. Jack taught me when I was young in Savannah. And he said to me, he goes, Brian, because Brian was a good baseball player. He goes, you're too small for baseball. And he goes, the truth is you're too small to play golf at the highest level. But you can beat guys with your short game. You can beat them with your guts. You can beat them with your resilience, just your manner. And as he was reciting all of the stuff, I was like, I'm watching a prophecy and maybe some great guidance by a legendary golf instructor play out. Because then I had Brian Harmon that afternoon and it was the BMW. It was Sunday. And in the eight holes that I covered him on the front nine, he had seven one-putts and a two-putt. Yet hit the thing. He didn't hit it in a fair way, and I think played the holes even par. But it was just the pluckiest, bravest, sort of overachieving overachievingest round of golf or segment of a round of golf I saw. And I looked at this going, he was almost tailor-made for the conditions over there at Hoylick. And to Kyle's point, he is going to be a thorn in people's side in Italy in just about 30 days' time because that man, is he is blue-chip and he is a blue collar, I should say, and just first team all guts. I mean, he is, he is a brave golfer with a great short game.
1: Yeah, really interested to see how he does. Could be an X factor when we get to Rome here in a couple of weeks. Gents, we got to roll on here. We're going to talk about player of the year, rookie of the year. We'll do some superlatives, but first we're going to take a quick break.
4: When we come out of break for our intermission, I'm going to quiz you on who the hottest European golfers are for the Ryder Cup.
0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: And we're back. Kyle gave us a professional tease on the others on the previous side. So KP, how would you like to uh, handle this trivia quizzing? What would you call? Yeah,
4: it? Yeah, I don't know how professional that was. I'm always interrupting you, but um, yeah, hottest golfers for the on the Europe like Europeans that are eligible for the European Ryder Cup team. You got me thinking about this as we were talking. Sure. Um, so the last three months. By the way, who was the third best round of the year? You said Ricky and Xander were the two best. Who was the third? Do you have somebody? No, I, I don't. Uh, maybe Hovland 61 at BMW? I don't
2: think so. Uh, was Was it Bryson's 58?
4: Definitely not that.
2: <laughs> it was not.
1: PGA Tour round was 2023. This is for the whole season. <laughs> Denny McCarthy gained nine point two seven strokes in uh, round one of the Travelers Championship.
2: <laughs> damn right, damn right.
4: Is that when he almost held out for fifty nine? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> off damn the grassy right. knoll. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so top twelve on the European side in strokes gained. This is off Data Golf over the last three months. Can you name how many? Can you name Victor Hopland. Yes. Fleetwood. Yes. Rom. Yes. McElroy. Yes. It's Patrick. Yes. Hatton. Yes. Marunk. No. He's not close.
3: Um, Justin Rose. Yes. Lowry. Uh, yes. Oh really? Shucks that's surprising. That team sounds
4: good, Kyle. Ludwig. I'm concerned. Uh, Ludwig is no, he's close, but no. guard. which one? No, n- neither. He's close too, but no. Three months, last three months.
1: Worldwide, right? I mean, oh, right, yeah. Straka, worldwide. yes. Yeah, Straka.
4: That's nine. I mean, yeah, I, want three. To
1: say, I want to say Yannick, but I don't think he's been that hot that
4: long. Uh, no, he's not close.
1: Yeah, because they also he <laughs> also gets a big negative on strength of field and stuff like that. Um, anybody eligible for the um? wait did we say Rose Yes. Yeah. Oh, would, yeah.
3: yeah
4: you're missing three one you you should get but I don't think you've said him
1: where is what country is he from
2: Aaron Rod
4: yeah that's not the Yeah, wow. I mean that that is correct that's not the one you should get this guy's from the same country
1: so an Englishman. We said Hatton. We said Fleetwood.
4: We said Fitzpatrick. I don't think he said Fitzpatrick.
1: Oh, it, yeah, I did. yeah, we did. I think
4: we did. Oh, did you? Okay, my bad. I missed, I missed yeah, that. I
1: was I was watching him crush it this morning. Um, so
4: there's, so there's, what about uh, his brother? <laughs> there's two more. And you this, won't get either of them.
2: Is it a U.S. rider Cup? What country? Election, Jordan Smith.
4: Uh, Germany. Oh, Jaeger. Yeah. Nice. And Sweden. Norn. No. no.
2: It's it's uh it's the other Alexander.
4: Bjork. Bjork. He's been does great. that does that still
3: sound like a good team? <laughs> well, we always said the bet the top nine were great. It's just the yeah. other three. Yeah. It well, <laughs> yes. sounds like they're gonna do a Tony Jacklin where like there was one Ryder Cup where Andrew Coltart, who's a hell of a player, was on the team, he played one match, and that was Sunday. Yeah, they, yeah, you don't you Europe don't have to play,
1: play. There's not a rule. Did they is there a rule you have to play before singles or just you can only
4: you only play singles, right? It feels a little like an unwritten rule. Like I I don't No, sense. it
3: was it was a rule. The President's Cup you have to play everybody, I think, twice maybe before well, it's, I mean, I thought it was once the and then rule. and then the singles.
4: Yeah, that is the How Tong rule. Uh cuz the, the Europe did that in 99. They sat two or three guys till sunday singles and then got beat on sunday but i i can't remember anybody doing it since then that's a tough look yeah it's not great
3: it's not a tough look if you got the little gold trophy in your hands on sunday evening (sighs) i suppose so it is a shockingly small trophy right it really is shockingly small
1: Hmm. i'm gonna go to i'm gonna put these two together josh Let's do Player of the Year, and I think it's. I think we're probably going to be unanimous here. Uh, Player of the Year, we don't have to spend too much time on it. The big three, seemingly Patrick, are Rom, Scheffler, or Hovland. Cast your vote.
4: John Rom. Rom, Rom, not no question.
1: Yeah, it's. I don't think it's particularly close. Oh yeah, four wins, four wins in the Masters, four wins and four votes for him. Rookie of the Year. I don't think this is particularly close either. Your your notables are. Eric Cole, Taylor Montgomery, Thomas Dietrich, Vincent Norman. Patrick, cast your vote.
2: The Cole Train.
1: Mark. Eric Cole. KP.
4: Yep. Same.
1: Unanimous. Run away. Give him the give them the awards now. Um, superlatives. So here we go.
4: This is the good stuff. I love Josh this. Let's list- go
1: another hour. Josh has listed a <laughs> couple of uh, categories, but if you guys have your own categories that you'd like to go to, I'm 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 happy with that. Let's ease into this with um, shot of the year.
4: Oh, that's – I don't know if that's easing into Let's it. Let's
1: ease into this with comeback player of the year. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. That, yeah. Patrick, would you like to nominate someone?
2: I will nominate one Richard Flower. <laughs> Ricky Fowler. <laughs> he, is, he is my pick for comeback player of the year.
1: Um, I guess some others would, could be like Jason Day. Yeah. Yeah. He's back in the Werner circle. Mark, anybody come to mind?
3: Lucas Glover.
4: Lucas Glover.
1: Yep. Okay. This is pretty good. KP, what do you think?
4: Yeah, I had uh, I had Glover. This is actually fun. If you look on the OWGR homepage, the incredibly well-designed, redone OWGR homepage. We love you, OWGR. <laughs> you can look at where guys were ranked in the OWGR at the, at the end of 2022, which I think is, is super interesting. Day... Fowler, Glover, all outside the top 100. I, I think I would lean toward Glover. Mm. But you could talk me into... I think it's between Glover and, and Ricky. So I'll, I'll go Glover, but I could be talked into Ricky. Glover, two victories. Ricky won, but
2: Ricky
1: had a much uh, longer, consistent run of success. Flip a coin, I don't played that. Played
4: Major great contention. at the majors. Yeah, yeah
1: question for you guys did you know that uh this used to be an official award on Mm -hmm. the pta tour
4: comeback player of the year
2: i should bring it back
4: didn't didn't steve stricker win it two years in a row this is where i was going with this
2: yes so uh
1: comeback player of the year steve stricker won in back-to-back years how is that possible
4: I don't know. What years was it?
3: Uh, God, I'm looking. Now I can't even find it. Um, I think he's won it three times, though. Total. Well. <laughs> he that's just, that's just...
2: a hell of a stat. <laughs> yeah, it is. it is. Has
3: this been wiped from?
4: Now, I've seen it somewhere. Um, 2006 and 2007. 2006 mm-hmm. and 2007. Mm-hmm. He didn't. Well, I guess the reason was he bounced back. He was negative strokes gain in two thousand five, and then all of a sudden he was one point seven in two thousand six. So just like <laughs> opposite ends of the spectrum, basically. Right. But then in in two thousand seven, he was kind of the same as in two thousand six. But he won a he won a tournament. He won the Barclays. So he basically just improved even more or one when he didn't in 2006, but it still seems kind of weird. Like you're the same player two years in a row. Basically. Well, we said, we said
1: you're back. And then we said, you're back again. <laughs> you're more back. In consecutive years. Yeah.
2: He, d- he dealt with some injuries though, right? Throughout yeah. his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure those were. Now somewhere.
1: the close, but not the same breakout player of the year, Mark, I've got someone who I think it has to be.
3: Yeah. um, I, you know, some of me would want to say Eric Cole, given what he's done throughout his career. But I think resoundingly from my point of view, it's Wyndham Clark. Yeah. Um, uh, you, You can't give it to anybody else. In my opinion,
1: the KP, you were mentioning it. He ended 2022, 163rd in the OWGR. He is currently
4: 10th in the world. It's crazy. I think the other guy that I would throw at this is Adam Shank. Mm. I think he was close to 250 in the world. And now he's, I believe, seconds. inside the top what what is he? 42nd. Okay. Yeah. So inside the top 50. Um to me, those are the two guys. I think it, it has to be Wyndham because he won two big events, including the US Open. But honorable mention to Adam Shank. Wanted to throw him in there. He had a he had a really good year. Any yeah. objections to
2: that, Patrick? I'm I'm with Clark of a few other nominees, though. Uh, Victor Hovland, Taylor yeah. Gooch, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick. He got his braces off. Um, and Big break out. Michael Block.
4: Oh, come on. Sure. Uh, Nick Taylor. Nick Taylor, too.
2: That's a good one, too.
4: <laughs> Sorry,
1: I was thinking about Fitzpatrick's braces coming off. Um, all right, let's do this. And KP, we're going to start with you here because I like this a lot. This is something that you have done uh, routinely, where yeah. you you essentially treat the PGA season like the NBA season and, and announce your all-PGA team, which I believe is five, which is what the NBA does. So the NBA has like first team, second team, third team, right?
4: Yeah, so they have fif- 15, and I think you can t- tie maybe, so it gets... It's know. a lot. Okay. But this
1: is, this is the all PGA team. Five guys. Obviously there are no positions. So these are the five guys that what that owned the year that played best. How are we defining this?
4: Yeah. It's the five guys. When you think back of 2023, who are you going to think of that played? Who, just who are you going to think of? Okay. Who comes to mind?
1: Do you want to, do you want to give us the five? Yeah.
4: My all NBA, my all, <laughs> Tour team, whatever. I, I like to call it the all NBA team because that gives you a good visual for what it is. So this was fairly easy, I, I think for me anyway. It was Scheffler, Hovland, Rom, Wyndham, and Rory.
1: I think only the fifth spot is kind of up for debate, and because you have to lock in Rory, Rom, Scheffler, Victor, and I also settled on Wyndham.
2: I did too.
3: I did as well, but I gave strong consideration to Max Homer. I I think through the summer, if he had been a little sharper, because remember, he kicked off the year really well. He was emphatic with that win at San Diego. And all of a sudden, he was a major championship sort of talk about guy. And then he flagged, then, then he sort of flagged a little bit, but finished the season well. So I did consider him with two wins, although, you know, one of them was in the fall, which I don't want to say discounts it, but he kicked off the season at the Fortinet. But Wyndham with well, a major championship was why I picked Wyndham over Homer.
4: Yeah, I actually Wyndham was a lock for me. He was in the fourth spot, and the Rory one was more. I mean, it, not up in the air, but like he only won once. He was statistically, he uh, was pretty close to Scheffler, right? It was really, it was
3: it was really good. He had he, two, he had two wins.
4: EJ
3: uh, Cup in the fall.
4: Oh, okay. I'm thinking of just like the, I go, I go by year, not by season. Yeah. So I'm just going 2023 20, year. year. Um, but even then I would, I would say probably Rory Brooks is an interesting one because I, you know, it's hard to evaluate him, but he just wasn't consistent enough throughout the year. You know, he won the PGA obviously, which was incredibly impressive, but yeah, I, I feel pretty good about those five.
1: So if we put you on the spot for a second team, would Brooks be on your second team?
4: Oh gosh. Like, I haven't even thought about second team. Yeah. I think he, he would be on my second team. I think it would be uh, Brooks, Brian Harmon. Um, I think Homo would be on my second team.
3: Yeah.
1: I think mm-hmm. he has to be
4: um,
1: some other options to give you guys to rattle off a couple. I'm just looking at the money list. Can't lay Keegan Xander Hatton, Fitzpatrick Fowler, Spieth Burns, Jason day, Kitty Those are the guys that are next on the,
3: yeah, given all the recent chit chat, sorry, Kyle. I mean, Egan had two victories. And look, he he was snubbed. Uh, he, he had a v- valid case for a, a run at that uh, Ryder Cup team. So I, I would have Keegan on the second team, certainly. So would I.
4: Keegan's hard because, again, I go just by year. And he's had one top 10 since March. So he, he just wasn't. It was a win, which is meaningful, but I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Fleetwood's in up up there for me. I, I don't know. I, I I would need to I would need to spend some time before I gave like a true. Here's my here's my second second five.
3: Fleetwood's a hell of a pick. I call him a lot this year, and man, I still to when I sit and reminisce about the season that's just been, I still can't believe that he didn't somehow somehow just fall his way into a win given he was around so much Mm.
4: yeah i know
1: they're coming uh patrick why don't you kick us off on your we'll call it like your favorite or we'll call it best
2: tournament best tournament okay um we're not doing best tournament finish
1: okay you can be best
4: best tournament finish if you want
2: I think I'm going to do the Scottish Open.
1: Oh,
4: oh, so good.
2: With Bobby Mack, the shot he hit, presumably to win his home country's open. It was over. Only for Rory McIlroy to birdie the 71st. And then that two iron. Oh, my God. Uh, into the last to, to break his heart. That for me was, I thought. I know there's a lot of other good ones, but that's the one that that really stuck out to me with the the shot making down the stretch from this. I
3: may ask a question because we were over there, and the finish was electric. And in the car rides on the way back to the hotel, and then we had like a an early after late, late lunch, early dinner, whatever it was, because we went early because of weather. Um, our major concern as the broadcaster was one, we were using other people's cameras, but two how much grief were we going to take in the United States because they went so early. So it was not, you know, regular three to 6 PM viewing on a Sunday. How, how much, how much was said about that? Cause I'd never even read anything.
2: Oh, uh, I mean, there were comments on the internet, I'm sure. But if you ask anyone <laughs> over the age of 55, I don't think they cared or even knew when it was on the, the three to six window later that day on CBS.
3: I'll say this, looking at that graphic there, Rick and I talked earlier. Two of the three best shots I saw this year happened in short succession there on that 18th. Bob McIntyre was like 30 yards to the left of where Rory was in the rough Mm -hmm. and carved this three wood, which I called the best shot I'd seen (laughs) this year. And then Rory follows this up. Didn't have a four iron three iron in the bag. So it was between drilling a drawing four iron or carving this two iron against the wind and that thing was freaking majestic. That wasn't the only national uh, championship
1: with a pretty good finish. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the Canadian Open where Nick Taylor hits a 72 foot eagle putt. KP, did that top yeah.
4: the list? Are we close? Well, I had three, so Got I it. had <clears throat> that one, the Scottish. So both of those. Uh, one problem was I was uh, not working the Sunday of the canadian open i was headed to what was that week before la i think i was headed out to la for the u.s open so i didn't see i saw bits and pieces of it we got the adam hadwin tackle which was just yeah. <laughs> extraordinary that, that was a great sunday that i wish i wouldn't have missed but the uh, my third one rick is fitzpatrick and spieth at Town. that was so good i mean speed being in it is always you know entertaining but fitzpatrick hit some hit some golf shots and uh, speed barely missed a, a, a putt to win it i think it was on the first playoff hole or maybe the the 72nd hole in regulation um that it one was a that was a fun one i i really enjoyed that ending
1: there, there's so much crossover between like shot of the year and and best tournament finish because the shot of the, the shot that fitzpatrick hit in the third playoff hole just to 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 kill oh. it, to end it is up there for me. So the, good. The the Nick Taylor putt is up there. I mean, there, there there's a reason that shot and tournament finish overlap so strongly.
3: I we had a season-ending dinner last week, um, and so we went around the table of announcers, the CBS announcers, and we were asked basically to share our favorite event, and if it was used, you couldn't use it again. And resoundingly. Because the the Nick Taylor win in Canada came up first, just everything about it for me. I mean, to be on the call there was unreal. The Canadian fans were out on mass, and they were out there. It was raining. It was. It it honestly, for me, was the moment of the year, Um, and just to 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 watch this Canadian golf public, who remember had been starved of this event for like three years due to COVID, and then Rory won. And then Rory came back three years later and then defended, you know, at uh, St. George's. And that was unreal. And that one still stands out to me. But to go back there this year and to experience that Nick Taylor thing coming down the stretch was, was incredible. It, it was honestly something that will be etched in my mind for as long as, as I draw breath. So all those things you talk about were special. But of the 23 events that we covered this year for CBS, every single one of us agreed that the Canadian Open was by far and away the best. The Hadwin (laughs) thing was hilarious, the way Jim called it. I think Nance's glorious and free call was brilliant because the fans were singing that, the national anthem, every time a Canadian would come through that par three, that rink hole. And so Jim heard this, and to get glorious and free into the winning call, was it it was just special. I remember it for for days. 70 years (laughs)
1: between between, uh, Canadians winning the Canadian Open, Patrick.
2: Jim's call of Adam Hadwin getting tackled yeah. also was electric. He goes, and hey, they just tackled Adam Hadwin. <laughs> <laughs> Any other shots that
1: stood out? I've got one still in the in the clip. Um, mine
4: was my. Uh, I have a few more. My top three were Rory and Bob McIntyre, and then the Wyndham Club Toro was just oh. that one. I will. Uh, that, that's probably it for me. Just because oh. I know it was Saturday, it wasn't Sunday, but it was such a in the dark. Needed it, like needed it. He, it stayed was, he in was falling apart. I think wasn't it? Uh He's a little he, loose. Yeah, and he, I think he got into the final pairing with that shot. Correct.
2: Yeah, he birdied and Ricky missed a short one
4: because Ricky and Rory were going to be in the final pairing. It was just, it was sick. I think he had just. Either doubled or bogeyed seventeen right before that, and uh, I'll, I'll remember that one for a while.
3: Rick, I've got a few. You know that, so I'm going I want to share them just real fast. Uh, Mac and uh, Bob McIntyre and Rory, the four iron Max Homer hit in sixteen uh, at mm. San Diego Torrey Pines was f- unbelievable. Into the wind, into the sunlight, that was special. Nick Taylor, the putt in Canada. These were all shots I, I got to see. Uh,
4: You got any NBC shots on here, Mark?
3: No, I didn't didn't watch those. (laughs) uh, Matt Fitzpatrick 2, the 9-iron at Hilton Head. And then the lob wedge on the the par 5, 15th, um, by Saturday or whatever, around a tree, hooked around a building to a few feet for Bertie was special. Um, Then there was an Aaron Badley hole-out with a wedge at the 3M from Greenside that was unbelievable off a 9-hole, off a downhill lie. Grillo's 9-iron in the playoff at Colonial to a few feet to win, spinning off the hill. And then I had Michael Block, Yeri's yeah, back, shank a 9-iron straight over the top of my head <laughs> at uh, the fifth hole, on the fifth hole at Oak Hill. Saturday, he's into contention. I get sent out to bring him in. He gets on there with a tee, 9-iron. The hole's 145 yards. And I'm 25 yards off the right. He hits shanks. it straight over my head. Hits a tree out of the premises. Kicks back in. So, as much as what that one wasn't as good as the others that one stands out to me too i've so, hit that shot yeah certainly
1: certainly memorable um go ahead patrick you got any others
2: yeah i've got rory's drive against our boy denny mccarthy in the match play to close 18. it out um i oh, have Rahm's fourth putt on number one at augusta <laughs> national <laughs> to keep him in it <laughs> i have michael blocks ace and up and down at oak hill uh Rams second into 14 in the final round at Augusta carving that one in there uh from the right rough was really good Chris Kirk's wedge in the playoff at the Honda and awesome. then Brooks Koepka's tweet at Brandel Chambly after the PGA tour and Piff merged.
4: That was the shot. The shot. That was, that was wellness check. Wasn't it? Yeah. Wellness check on Chambly. That was pretty good.
1: Uh, I have just one more that nobody saw. Cause I don't think it was covered. I um, was there. I was there. Jordan Spieth on the 17th in Phoenix mm-hmm. out of the fairway bunker, 50, 60 yards. Yeah, you know what Greller called it—the best shot he's ever seen Jordan Spieth hit.
4: Yeah, because yep. it was the uh, what water on the left or back left? You're, yeah,
1: yeah. So you're you're hitting towards the water. There's a bunker short right, and then there's a very small landing area, and those things were spicy.
3: And yeah. through the middle portion of the green, there was this tiny little ridge that if you land on the backside of it, it kicks over the green. If you land it shy, it's likely to hit and stop. And he landed this thing like. Into the top bank of it, it jumped over, checked, and released down there to a putt like three feet. I, I saw this and Grella walked past me, and he said that. That's the best shot I've seen him hit. And uh, I used that on the air, which was probably not a good idea. But but yeah, it, that, that shot for me was great. It was really was good.
4: There's the tip. welfare, not wellness. I always say wellness. Okay. Welfare check on Shambley. <laughs> <laughs> that,
2: that, that is, is my is, shot of the year.
4: Is that correct usage of welfare?
1: I don't. That, I, don't think that, so. I, was,
2: I don't know. I'm not. I sure. thought it was pulse check on Chamblee. Honestly, <laughs> looking back on <laughs> pulse it. pulse
1: check. Uh, well, all things considered, gentlemen, is there a we're calling it a moment that stands above all else, Patrick?
2: The moment. I, um, I'll tell you,
1: it, I, the moment that that shook was walking out of the gym and finding out that a merger had just happened between the PGA tour and live was I, I had people who do not follow golf reach out. I mean, it was,
4: that was, that was the most tilt a world day I've ever had covering golf. It was just like, I'll never forget seeing, I think I got a text from somebody who doesn't. Yeah. Same thing. Like, I think I found out, From someone who doesn't follow golf.
2: Yeah. Which is
1: a joke. I I triple checked the sources because I thought it was a joke as well. And it was the PGA tour. And I said, you know what? I'm just gonna go straight to the website. I'm gonna type it in myself. I'm not clicking any links because I don't trust anything. (laughs) I will type it in, and right there on the homepage is the press release. I'm not clicking any links. (laughs) Those sneaky redirects will get (sighs) you.
4: Yeah, that was – I don't know if it was the moment of the year. It was definitely a – Biggest it surprise
3: was, of the year. Yes. Yes. time stood still just for a minute. Yeah, for sure. Um,
4: uh, I had um, – so I had three here for a moment of the year. Brooks winning the PGA. That was – that just felt like really monumental uh, because he's such a great champion. Um, Hovland's 28 at Olympia Fields. Yeah. extraordinary and then the the third one that i had was key and winning travelers good one just because he was you know he's had every event in the northeast is a hometown event for him but it, it did feel like a meaning it, it was a meaningful victory for him and somebody who he's been grinding for a long time man like he's obviously been better than lucas glover over the last eight years but not he hasn't been great and so for him to rebound this year win a couple times win travelers that was that was cool and you could tell it meant a lot to him
1: yeah really good one there
2: i've got um tiger and jt on the 18th green at riviera uh kind of that smirk he gave jt and then Michael Block shooting 81 in the opening round at the Charles Schwab Challenge. (laughs) And Kurt Kitayama marking his golf ball in the 72nd hole Uh, at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. That was
4: sick. From three inches out? No, not Not, even. Not
2: even. On the (laughs) edge of the hole. Three centimeters. (laughs) Yeah, three dimples away from dropping. (laughs) That's a good one.
4: Uh, Fina did that, too. He did that last year at... uh... One of the ones he won, he marked, or
3: maybe, did he win Houston a, co- uh, a couple years ago? Yeah, he it did. It's yeah, good guys. You, you you can't go whole out and then have the poor guy left to make five feet for fifteen. Oh, for sure. It's just hilarious. It just looks hilarious. Anything we missed, Mark? No. I mean, uh, I'm with you on the uh, on the Tuesday morning. I remember because I was driving to coffee with my wife and she was scrolling through social media. And then my phone rings and it's Randy from HQ going, hey, can you get on the air? I'm like, why? He goes, because of the merger. I'm like, what merger? And uh, so I called folks and there were folks at the tour that didn't know what was going on. But then later that week, when we get to Canada, when it's like there's security around the clubhouse and players taking interviews because uh, they had that player-only meeting over there, it was it was kind of messy. And it was ironic how... The big event at the start of the week suddenly turns into the bigger event on Sunday when Nick Taylor holds that seventy-two foot putt to win it all. So, uh, yeah, Canada I think was a, a large part of the biggest moment for me.
1: Yeah, I forgot the the whirlwind of things during that week on both ends of the both ends of the spectrum. All right, we'll lump these uh, we'll lump these two together, and then we'll get out of here. Um, surprises and disappointments. I think obviously, um, whether you want to say Wyndham Clark and Brian Harmon winning major championships, when you, whether you want to say uh, JT missing the playoffs, dis- like obviously disappointments. Where are we where are we headed here, KP? Uh,
4: I'm going to go biggest surprise: Harmon winning the Open by six. Mm. <laughs> That's anybody winning any major by six, much less uh, Brian Harmon. And then disappointment, I mean, obviously, JT was really bad this year. I Personally, I thought Cam Young was kind of disappointing. Um, he was good at times, but I, he just lacked some consistency. He was not – he did not – to me, he did not take a demonstrable step forward compared to last year, and maybe that was – maybe I'm disappointed because my expectation was that he would – and then he didn't. So I'll throw I'll throw Cam Young in there. Obviously, JT is sort of like just built into the to the model. Yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> the, the default answer, Patrick. Uh,
2: my biggest surprise. I agree with with Harmon, but I'm also going to say Scheffler only winning twice. Ooh. I think you could say is surprising. Uh, I didn't want to put him into the disappointment one. I think that's a a different conversation we could have if we want. Um, but I'm going to put. Patrick can't lay major championships. I'm waiting for this guy to finally put himself into contention. He had three straight top 15 finishes in the first three major championships, but really didn't hit a meaningful shot on, on a back nine on Sunday, or on Sunday really, and he's just too good of a player to not contend in major championships on a consistent basis. So I had high hopes for him coming into the year. I think I said he'd have a year like Rom had, and that clearly did not happen so for me it was cantley major championships
4: Patrick what happens first uh Tommy Fleetwood wins a tour event or Patrick cantley wins a major
2: uh Fleetwood okay he, he get he gets himself in the mix a lot on the PJ tour can't, like can't say the same in major what, championships.
3: Not, how many top tens do you have this season it was Fleetwood yeah he was good this year
4: he had eight he had eight Top 10s worldwide this year in 21 starts.
1: Yeah, four of his last five were top 10s. Yeah. And uh, six of his last eight. So,
4: yeah, those yeah. alone.
3: Yeah, but but that, that, that's a really good question. I mean, Cantley to me, what, what is prototypical Cantlay was what he did in Memphis this year in the first round of the playoffs. Nobody knew he was even around. Well, look, it's like <laughs> that anyway. But then he's sort of lurking, lurking, lurking. All of a sudden, he's got a shot to win, and he's in a playoff with Lucas Glover. And and that sort of manner, you know, is, is, is will serve him well in major championships. So I think that's a really good question, and and I would, I, I could go either way if you convince me between he and Fleetwood winning.
1: Mm. Okay, Brick. That after months of not playing. Uh Tiger Woods showed up at Riviera and ensured he had an extra tampon on him so that when he outdrove Justin Thomas on 9 he could hand it to him.
4: That was Are you talking about surprise disappointment? Surprise. Both?
1: That's surprise. I did not see that coming. In any in any way did I see that coming? I did. I not. remember
4: it- I remember you text. You we were texting about. Do you remember this?
1: Yes, I this was going like, viral. Is,
4: so, so and, and was, I, I, well, I
1: never talked about the story about this.
4: I don't think we have either. Go yeah. ahead.
1: I was there at nine when that happened. I was following that group. I was right there, and I saw something fall to the ground, and so did the marshal. And I thought it was a pin sheet, okay, because the marshal picked it up and tried to hand it to Bones. Like, hey, you dropped this. And Bones was like, no, we're good. We're good. We're good. But like, the marshal was like genuinely trying to be helpful. And I was like, that's weird. Like, I thought that was a pin sheet. I don't know. And I was going through Getty later and the who had, he, he had the shot. He had the money shot. I mean, it was zoomed in, high res. You could see exactly what was going on. And I put two and two together and was like, holy crap. And then I get, same thing, KP, like, it, Getty, Getty, is Getty right? Is this is this altered? Is this Photoshop? It, it,
4: it, yeah, it felt like again, you clicked on too many links and you ended up like, somewhere where you're I, like, I don't know Getty anymore. Yeah. Uh so Rick texts me and, and he's I like, it, yeah. he was like, I don't, I mean, am I look like what am I looking at here? And I was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, are you gonna put that out there? And he was like, I mean, I I think so. Yeah, here it is. And I said, are you ready to go like mega viral? And I I think Rick, I think you didn't. You were like so close to it. You were so in the moment that you didn't realize how like bonkers it was going to go. And I was like, dude, this is going to be massive. And then it just like, just, I mean, you were, you had to like turn your phone off.
1: Yeah. So I knew, so you're right. I didn't, you said, you said this is going to be mega viral. That's exactly what you said. And I was like. Right, but I th- I thought that meant in the golf world. <laughs> I did not know it was going to be on every media outlet, NBC
3: morning news, yeah,
1: everywhere. And then, and remember, we're there, so I'm. I got to go back to the media center the next day, and they, and then of course Tiger gets asked about it in his presser, and I'm like, we have come. I cannot believe, and I'm standing right there, like I cannot believe we got back to this. I never expected us to get back to this
4: point yeah it's it's yeah it's wild and i think it shows the um i i, I guess you if you want to call it the power of social media or like things spread very quickly and easily and then it leads to a story or a narrative and that's pretty cool um but it's also pretty like f- I don't know how you feel Rick but kind of like scary you're like man you could like anything yeah. could could do that you know I was I was
1: lucky and I was happy that like I did not take a stance on it right? right I just I just said this is what happened on the ninth hole today so everyone in the comments were fighting with each other and everyone was all hot and bothered with each other but like it was, none of it was directed at me and I was just Yeah. I like turned off my phone. I was like, I'll check, I'll check in next week.
0: I don't
4: know. Yeah. Well, the temptation is is always to I try to say something funny and you, you, you played it. I mean, you played it the right way. It's, that's not a moment to do that. And uh, yeah, I was, I was a crazy moment. I, I forgot about that.
3: Here's my question, Rick. How many times did you type out? the caption and then delete and then reach up and delete yeah oh for sure a
1: lot and i and i remember and i was sitting there because i i sat on it for hours right because I, I was like i don't know what i'm seeing somebody else would have picked this up by now <laughs> i don't know if i want to be a part of this and yeah
4: that's the question
1: <laughs> so i sat on it for a while i was texting kyle i was like i don't know and i finally just
3: send, and, and, send. And
1: immediately it was like I was, I was already like regretting it five minutes later.
4: Okay. So here's, here's what I said. Here's, here's I just looked up our conversation. You said, what are your thoughts on me posting this? (laughs) And I said, uh, I said, yeah, that's fine. It will go mega viral. To be clear. It's not fine because it will go viral. It's fine. And it will go viral. I did. I I wanted to clarify there. Yeah. You should send it because
1: it's, you're going to look like an idiot, but it's going
4: to go viral.
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Tie your, your own, noose while you're there. Oh boy! All right. Well,
1: that was you know, oh, oh, here's
4: like a few minutes later. I said I'm scared to retweet it, and you said you told me it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then you wouldn't touch it, and I'm like, but you said it was
1: fine. <laughs> what
2: we it's I said fine I for said, you, I not said for it me. It
1: is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so funny. That's so good. Oh man all right well we finally got that out there um anything else
3: gents well i was gonna say my dis my surprise was i'm in line with patrick and scotty scheffler
0: Mm.
3: my disappointment my surprise was was also the tuesday morning uh, merger announcement and along those lines my disappointment was um and this is maybe a little personal um but I was behind the green Sunday afternoon, and maybe this is like the tyranny of the urgent or recent recency bias, the bias or whatever. But I'm behind the 18th green with my daughter in the golf cart next to me at Eastlake. There's a big crowd around there, and they're having the, uh, the four-television Award ceremony for Victor. And Amanda introduces Jay Monaghan, and he gets booed. And I was like, come on, fans, we better than this. It, it, it's, this is not about Jay Monaghan and your opinions of what you think is going on. This is about celebrating a young man who's pulled off something monumental over the last few weeks. And you guys are taking offense or taking objection to a guy who you don't even know what's going on behind closed doors. And so I was like, no, man, Atlanta, this is disappointing. And, and I, was, I was saddened, I think, more than anything else by the crowds booing Monaghan on the 18th green at the season finale. It, it just was, it was out of character and was low class. Mm.
1: Yeah. We'll see. I guess, I mean, the, the next couple of months are going to be very, very interesting. And obviously I don't, I don't think Mark that, um, I don't think opinions on Jay Monaghan are going to get less polarized over no, the post- no. next couple months.
4: No, <laughs> no, it's, uh, I think there's still a lot on the table, Rick. I, I think everybody at the tour. I think Monahan kind of is—he's laying out, "Hey, <clears throat> here's the path," but he's also hedging his language a little bit, of like, and uh, Brendan Porath pointed this point. Hey, we're, we're going to do something that's a good outcome for the, a positive outcome for the PGA Tour, and you're like, well, that, that's that's a hedge, right? Like, that's not that those that sentence doesn't include the PIF and so i'm i think it's going to be it's going to be a really interesting four months leading into the to the new season
1: Mm. Mm. my goodness my goodness we've got a lot to talk about uh also it's that time of year where we exchange mailbag questions for ratings and reviews. Yes. We pimp out our, uh, Apple podcast. You leave a five-star rating. You ask a question. We will answer it. Doesn't matter what it is. Anything you want. We'll hit the mailbag episodes over the course of the next week or so. I think we've got it scheduled for Thursday, the 7th. So make sure that you get your reviews in before then. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. I think we covered a lot today, gents. Big thanks to producer Josh who does all the hard work behind the scenes. Patrick McDonald available on Twitter at amateur status. Mark Immelman at mark underscore immelman. Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.